0: Welcome to the Bookworm Collective. This episode, we will be discussing the May Book of the Month, Paper Towns.
1: So, like we said before, we will be talking about the Book of the Month, Paper Towns, by John Green if you haven't read this book yet and don't want to have key plot points or surprises revealed to you, we advise that you stop listening now because we are
0: going to be talking very in-depth about this book. So just a little bit about Paper Towns. Um, It's a standalone book written by John Green, was published in 2008, and is approximately 336 pages.
1: The target audience is young adults, so around 14 and up. And the book is a coming-of-age story, which is like emotional
0: and intellectual growth. There also was a film of this book made in about 2015 that I feel like, I mean, from what I have read, I haven't actually seen it, but it seems to follow pretty closely. I am halfway through it,
1: and um, it is pretty close, but uh, there is one part that it kind of bothers me, but it's not that big of a deal. (laughs)
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, that is your kind of last chance to kind of jump off if you don't want to have any of the spoilers because now we're just going to do a very high level of the plot and kind of go through everything. So, you know, your last chance, get out of here if you don't want spoilers. The story follows Quentin Jacobson, who is a senior in high school. He's been obsessed over his lifelong neighbor, Margot, since his childhood. Margot has a very adventurous spirit and loves a very good mystery. So, at the beginning of the
1: story, we see a nine year old Quentin and Margot stumble upon a dead body in the park. And Margot is really fascinated with this, while Quentin is very terrified and wants to call the authorities.
0: Margot suggests that maybe this man died because of all the strings inside of him broke. And then one night, Margo climbs into Quentin or Q's room through his window, asking if he could help her on her mission of revenge. So then
1: they go on Margo's vengeance missions. And Quentin is very reluctant throughout this whole thing because he doesn't want to get in trouble with the police or anything like that. Margo and Quentin break into her friends' places, leaving items that are like codfish, very very smelly items and leaving notes, confronting these friends and vandalizing their vehicles. And one of the other things that they did was just break into SeaWorld because why not?
0: Yeah, and so they end the evening with this very romantic event. And um, Quentin is kind of looking forward to the next day of school to just see if anything changes between him and Margo. But Margo wasn't there at all and had actually run away. So then Quentin discovers some
1: clues in Margot's room, and he spends a long time trying to decipher them. One of these clues was a poem called Song of My Grass by Walt Whitman. Quentin then talks to Lacey, one of Margot's friends that uh, he had helped Margot get revenge on, and she pointed them, pointed Quentin and his friends to a mini mall where Margot liked to hang out.
0: So while they go through this, Quentin feels like he has a better sense and understanding of what Margot has been going through and is starting to figure her out a little bit. And then Lacey finds a clue to where Margot was in Algo, New York. Quentin, his friends, and Lacey all head up to Algo, hoping that they can get there before Margot leaves. They all have a very intense
1: and crazy trip, and they actually end up skipping their graduation and when they finally get to Algo, New York, which is a paper town, they realize
0: that Margot is currently at a barn. Margot and Quentin talk about why Margot can't go back home. And there's a lot of things going on here. Like she wanted to escape what everybody thinks about her and just kind of find a new identity. But she also just didn't want to live this half-life that's very ordinary where she was before. So she just felt very trapped and wanted out of the situation.
1: Now we are going to see how we felt about this book, and this week
0: we're going to start with Harrison, so yeah. Yeah, so for me, I ended up giving this book a three-worm rating, and um, you know, I think there were a lot of things behind this for me, because I was familiar with some of uh, John Green's other works. I've not read through most of them, but... A lot of his other works seem to be more like rom com and they just aren't these types of books that really appeal to me. I've never had a lot of interest, so I kind of walked into this very hesitant and not super looking forward to the book. Um, but once I got into it, it was really not what I was expecting at all. There was kind of this mystery aspect, which I found to be very interesting, and it kind of is what helped drive the entire story, But it also wasn't 100% of the plot, which I also appreciated. I feel like sometimes when you read a mystery and everything is about like figuring out those clues and things, they just feel very dry. And so this book is kind of like has a mystery in it. It's not a mystery book. And I kind of found that very interesting. I also felt like just in general that John Green was able to kind of like keep the story a little more lighthearted by adding in some comedy i thought quentin had some really funny moments when he was responding to Margot, and just some of the things that Margot has done that kind of um i felt like were pretty relatable to me and it just kind of lightened up the mood a little bit which i definitely appreciated because these types of things can end up being coming like very very serious for little to no reason Something I did really enjoy about the book is that they had lots of hidden meetings between different things as you've read it. And I think that that's like really nice when a book does that because it would make it more interesting if you reread the book and kind of leave you with this idea of if I read it again, maybe I would pick up some of these things faster. And it kind of just, you know, is a reason to do that. Books that aren't very deep, you're not going to reread it because you get no value out of it. The biggest thing with this book is, um, you know, I just wasn't expecting a lot of the things in general with it, but the end was certainly not what I was expecting at all. I feel like in these types of books, like the two main characters end up together. And that's kind of what I was expecting throughout this entire thing that Quentin was going to like find Margot and end up bringing her back. And, you know, and then that would kind of be the end of the story. And that's not really how this book ended. This book ended with like, Margot explaining why she ran away and that she didn't really want quentin to find them which was kind of like weird like why are we on this journey then um but also you find out that like when she's like oh quentin like why don't you come with me he's like well i got my own stuff to do so like i i can't just you know drop all of my responsibilities so um we kind of leave with them agreeing to stay in touch you know whatever that means and I have told enough people in my life, yeah, like, let's stay in touch, like, we'll, we'll keep connected and have never followed through on that, that it kind of just makes me feel like we just end this book with them going their separate ways. Um, And so yeah, overall, I mean, I think mainly I'm giving it a three because I probably wouldn't read it again. I just think that even though there is like this in-depth stuff that would make it interesting if you did reread it, it's just not my type of book. And I think that I'm actually surprised I rated a three and not a two because it just wasn't what I was expecting, but I enjoyed it more than I thought. And I probably am only going to pick this book up if I like had truly nothing else to read. And it had been quite a while.
1: I had a very different, um, thing about this book. I I've actually had to I had to read this book for school and I really liked it, but I didn't, I don't, I didn't really remember completely what it was about. I just knew that it was interesting. Um, so that's just a little preamble to my thing. <laughs> so I ended up rating this book five worms, uh, mostly because it was really interesting and Like Harrison said, you had the clues that were in the story and that like, it wasn't a mystery book. There was a mystery in the book. So like you had a lot of things that were going on to pay attention to and it just, it just kept things interesting. And I don't think it ever felt repetitive. If a book is repetitive, that is normally one of the biggest things that knocks me down a worm. It's just because if something repeats, it just means that they're just adding on because they don't know what else to write about. In my opinion, I read this book as an audio book, which is kind of different for me. I, I haven't had a lot of time to read a lot of books. Like right now, this next, the week that this is posted, I'll be finishing up finals for high school. Um, so like, I've been really busy. I've been flying through audiobooks instead of physical books because I don't have any time. And I think I prefer this book as an audiobook mostly because it's a light read. You don't don't have to think too hard about everything that's going on, like when you're doing chores or homework or whatever. But then when you do actually want to think hard about it, you can do that. And there are those spots in this book that you can really interpret it. And that's kind of one of the other things that I really liked about this book. It's just that the ending and most of the stuff throughout this book, actually, you can interpret it in many ways. Like how Harrison interpreted this book might have been different on how I did. And one of the questions that we'll be answering later on in this episode, um, will be, is kind of based off of that interpretation that you have, um. And it'll be interesting to see what Harrison says compared to what I say, because we have a huge, not a huge age difference, but like I'm, I'm still a high schooler and he's already graduated college and he's been working in all of that. So we've had completely different, like I haven't had as much experience as he has had and we're just in different situations in our lives. Um, One of the things that I did like about this book is that it's definitely a feel good book. And what I mean by that is just that you feel really good about yourself um, and that uh, you feel like that you can relate to those characters. And that's kind of one of the biggest things with this book right now is that I could relate to uh, Quentin and Margot with like struggling with what people think about you and trying to develop what your, what you want your identity to be. Like that's one of the things that you kind of have to think about once you're, once you graduate high school, it's like, okay, who do I actually want to be? Because I've been around these people my entire life and now I'm not going to be around them. So we got to figure it out. So that is kind of one of the things I really did enjoy about it. I personally think that everyone should read this book at some point in their lives because it's very adventurous, it's mysterious, and at one point or another, it can be relatable. Whether that's like you're older and you're like, oh, that's kind of what I was going through when I was in high school. Or even if you find something else that you find relatable in the book, um, there's that. Or even if you don't want to read the book, I think that you should at least watch the movie because so far it seems pretty close to the book. The biggest difference is that instead of leaving at graduation and having that chaos, they leave right before prom. So it kind of adds some new things, some new situations to um, the adventure to finding Margo and what is it? Aglo? So far, the movie is pretty close to the book, so I I personally gave this five worms because if someone was trying to find a um, an uplifting read that they could find relatable right now, I think that this book is definitely something that they should read, and I would recommend it to anyone who just even wants
0: to get into reading, so... Yeah. I mean, I do think it's, it's definitely a good one and it's, it's a nice light read, which is something that uh, I did find enjoyable about it. Um, And I just think that, I mean, part of it is you just have to know what genre you like to read. And, you know, for me, it just, it just wasn't, it's not a genre I find myself reading very often. Um, So yeah, one thing I did want to address though, that I think we've kind of like skipped over is like, what even is a paper town? Um, So like the whole concept of a paper town is it's like a fictitious place. It's like totally made up, but it's still on a map. So a lot of times this would happen with map makers when they're drawing maps, they would put a town in a location that, um, it didn't exist and they'd like put it in there. So like algo is one of those. And, um, they put it there so that in future maps they can detect if somebody is plagiarizing their map because there's this city that doesn't even exist. And if they had done their own research and made their own map, that city wouldn't actually be there. Other instances of paper towns are like when people are putting money to build like these developments in and then like the money like falls away. So it was put on a map, but no place exists, so it's just kind of like this abandoned location. And what's actually interesting about this Algo one is it was put on a map in 1930 as a totally fake place. It did not exist at all. It was solely there for plagiarism's sake. And then a general store was actually built in that area, and they named it the Algo General Store because when they looked at a map, they're like, oh, this is where it is. And so now, Algo actually exists because of that, even though it was just a copyright trap. So I mean, it's kind of like this, like, a weird thing to like build the entire story around. But it's definitely interesting. And before this book, I I did not realize that that's what this was, and it it makes total sense. And as I've done like a little bit more reading on just what a paper town is in general. It's actually funny because there are a lot of them on Google, like on Google maps, there are a lot of these places that show up and, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not trying to say that Google is plagiarizing their maps, but it's like, you know, it's just kind of funny. Like I'm wondering whether they're there on Google as like a nod to these people who originally made these maps or like what the deal is for maybe some of them are just places that Google has made up, um, you know, there's no, none of us will be able to answer that question. So um, with that, we've kind of like shared our ratings, just a little bit about the book, um, you know, and we would love to hear what you have to say about the book. So, you know, feel free to reach out to us on, you know, any of the ways that we'll list at the end of the episode. Um, but with that, we're going to kind of move into just some general questions about the book that kind of, you might leave the book thinking about. So um, the very first one is like, before you get to the very end of the book, why did you really think that Margot ran away? And towards the end like there's a lot of reasons that are given but like you know before then why was that the case?
1: I initially like I read this book before but I like I said I don't really remember a lot about it. Um so this is like this is like me reading it for the first time and kind of knowing what some parts are. So I think that the in the beginning, what I thought the main reason why Margot ran away was just that like she was tired of her current life. It it wasn't exciting her. Like we see at the very beginning of the book when she goes on her missions of vengeance or whatever she calls them. Um that she's very adventurous and like won't won't stop if she won't let anything get in her way. But she was just kind of tired of school and her family and friends weren't doing like her family and friends weren't really helping her either. Like her boyfriend was cheating on her and she thought that her friends knew and just weren't telling her, even though that was false. So I I think that the main reason that she ran away at the beginning of the book was just because she wanted to go on an adventure and she needed a break from everything else that was going on in her life.
0: Yeah, when I was first going through it, that's kind of the biggest reason I thought that Margot had run away was just that she just had all of these things going on in her life that just they just weren't adding up. It's just not the life that she wanted for herself. So she decided, well, the easiest way for me to do this is let's just start a new life, Um, you know, and just needs like a whole new identity. And for a lot of people easiest way to do that is to go somewhere different. And I just felt like that is the reason that she ran away, but also like she did it in this weird way where she like left these clues and then later we ended up finding out she didn't even want to be found. She left them so that like they would know she was okay. Um which is just kind of like weird to me, I suppose. Like I don't know a note that says I'll be okay, you know, it would probably be more effective. But um, yeah, she chose this other route, but it would have been a pretty boring book if you just read that note. But, um, you know, I think that this is, like, something that was interesting to me and um, I could kind of relate to a little bit where, like, your whole life, if you've lived in one place, there are a lot of people that just know you, that you've been, like, interacting with for quite some time. So they have this, like, expectation of who you are. And, um, you know, you end up like getting to this point, like, especially if you have like a family that's really well known in the area, you know, it's like, am I like, is my identity with these things and like what people think I can do and kind of expect from me, is that the case because they know me, they know my family and they just know what I've done in the past? Or is this like really who I am? And, um, you know, I I know a lot of people that feel that way. And so a lot of times when people go to college, that's one of their biggest things, When they, why they pick somewhere that's further away. It's like, nobody knows me here. I have to kind of figure this out and be like, what is all of this if I don't have like this foundation underneath me? And I thought that was like something really relatable in the book that um, was particularly interesting. And I kind of figured that was why she had run away. So at the end of the book, Margot and Quentin are
1: talking about life, and they mention the strings, the grass, and the vessel, which are also the three parts of this book. They're, they're titled after those three things. And at the end of the book, Quentin is talking to Margot about um, how life can be seen in many metaphors, and the main ones that he talks about are the strings, the grass, and the vessel. So the question is, which way do you think about life? Strings, grass, or as the vessel? Or is there another way that you look at it and then explain?
0: Yeah, so to start each of these, we're just going to go through like what each of these things are. So I'm going to explain what... Like I'm going to give a little bit of a quote from each of them that comes from the book, and then Anderson's going to kind of explain like the logic behind each of the categories. So starting off, we have strings. And the quote is, I like the strings, I always have, because that's how it feels. But the strings make pain seem more fatal than it is, I think. We're not as frail as the strings would make us believe. So the
1: strings are basically like if you have a string and something happens, it'd be like you have scissors cutting it, and then that string is just done. So it's just like you're good, and then you're not good. And then the more strings that you have cut, the closer you are to like essentially dying or just not enjoying your life. So that's just kind of what I I interpret the strings as.
0: Yeah, and the strings are... It's very like an easy way to think of it, I guess in my mind is like, it's very black or white. Like the string is connected or it is not there. There is no gray area in there at all. And there are a lot of people that live their life that way. Um, so, you know, maybe you are one of those people, but, um, the next type is grass. So the quote is, or maybe we're grass. Our roots are so interdependent that no one is dead as long as someone is alive. And I like the grass too. The grass got me to you, helped me to imagine you as an actual person. But we're not different sprouts from the same plant. I cannot be you. You can't be me. You can imagine another, well, but never quite perfectly, you know? I feel like it's just saying that we're all somehow related, even
1: if you aren't from the same plant. Like you, You kind of still have that root system where you're all you're all connected but you're you're all still different if that makes sense this one i think is the most vague of them but it's just talking about like the relationships about how you think about each other
0: yeah i would definitely agree this one is it's like it makes sense but it's it is also kind of vague. And I think that's kind of like the point behind the grass too. Um, So the third and last category, you know, explained in the book is vessel. So the quote is, maybe it's more like what you said before, all of us being cracked open, like each of us starts out as a watertight vessel. And these things happen. These people leave us or don't love us or don't get us Or we don't get them, and we lose and fail and hurt one another, and the vessel starts to crack open in places. And I mean, yeah, once the vessel cracks open, the end becomes inevitable. Once it starts to rain inside the osprey, it will never be remodeled. But there is all this time between when the cracks start to open and when we finally fall apart, and it's only in that time we can see one another, because we see out of ourselves through our cracks and into others through theirs.
1: So this one, it's basically just saying that yeah, you're going to have these cracks, but the cracks are kind of like what help you define who you are, I think. And um, it's just, it's just saying that all of these things that happen to you, like whether you're in control of it or you're not in control of it, it just helps you become more of who you
0: are. Yeah, I think that the vessel is really just kind of like you know, explaining like it's not all of these like independent events that are not um like not connected in any way at all, but that this vessel, like everything that happens, it it all matters to everything else. Um whereas like you know, the strings, like it, it's a very independent, you know, like it doesn't mention anything or like have this idea that like the strings are attached in any way. They're all these like separate things. And just like, I guess once a hundred percent of your strings are broken, then you're just kind of done for it. Um, whereas like with this vessel, it's like, um, you know, and if, if you think about it, like a watertight vessel, like they've explained, um, you know, like when once one crack has happened, it's more likely that a second crack will happen, you know, and they but they kind of like build off of each other or like, you know, like it could spider off of one another, and maybe have another big crack and things like that. So it's kind of like, you know, talking about how things are like, more tied together. Um, So with that, you know, Anderson, what would you say is like the primary way that you kind of like, look at life, I suppose? So this one kind of took me a while to think about because
1: looking at those three, they're all kind of pretty good descriptions of like life in its entirety, but it's just like they're all very different from each other as well. So I really do like the vessel description, but it doesn't capture all of life in itself. Like I can see how the cracks are important and how they help, um, how they help you become yourself, but it's just, I don't think it's perfect. It's a, I don't think it's just a perfect description for all of it. Um, and the way that, I kind of think most of the time, and I've been kind of trying to change how I think is in the strings. And I feel like that's just something that you're conditioned to like, I think that's how you're kind of conditioned to think in high school. It's just, um, it's very black or white. It's like, if you don't do well in school, then your life is ending and it's just all terrible. Even though it isn't, if you get one bad grade, are you really going to be thinking about that? Um, when you're 40 years old and having a midlife crisis or whatever, <laughs> whatever's going on in your life. Like it's not that big of a deal. Um, if you're have, if you have like a bad grade, but I feel like that's just how you're supposed to. I, I don't think that's how you're supposed to think, but I think that's just how we're taught to think in uh, our younger years. So I, I think that a book is a good way to think about life like your life moves in chapters you know you know that when you're first born you have to you have to like start walking You need to start talking like get get your basic needs done and then you can like once you can get to four years old and you're doing all of those things and you can actually remember what's going on then um then you're like having more fun and then you get older and you get to school and then that helps you develop so that you can live a full life and then once you're finally out of school out of high school then you're you're really writing those new chapters where it's like okay for a little bit I'll do this but then you don't know when to stop for your next thing but then something happens and it means a new chapter is going on and i feel like that's a pretty good way to think about life but if you're also looking at the vessel description and how like the the cracks help you develop it's like it's like when you have a brand new book and you're you're trying to it's like a paperback book and you're trying to keep it open and then you end up cracking the spine. Like there, there's gonna be one of those things. And then you might accidentally get water on it at a swim meet, which I totally have done before. <laughs> and uh like things will happen to that book throughout your life, and it doesn't it doesn't mean that it's not a good book, but um I think that the I think that, that also helps you build your personality and your own identity. So I, I think that the best description for life is just to kind of think of it as a book that moves in chapters and how like, yes, you are the main character of your book, but, um, you, you have to also keep in mind that you're, you're not the main character in someone else's book. So like you, you help, you help build your chapters and build your character while you're also helping you build your friends.
0: Yeah. I think that, um, a book, a book is a good way to think of it. I I mean, if I like could add to it, I think that in my mind, I would rather say that it's like a book series not like a single book because, um, you know, I think that this is true too of The Vessel because of, of these three, if I really had to pick one, I think The Vessel is the closest to accurate, but it's by no means accurate. And um, the same thing with the book. The The problem with this is that it the way these are all described, it makes it seem like every event is connected and that they all will always build off of other things. And, you know, like Anderson said with like school, you get like a bad grade, There is a certain point of time that, that like downside or that like bad thing that happened, it's going to go away. And, um, so like, that's kind of where I think that I would rather think of it like a book series than just a book, because in an individual book series, there can be like tons of negative things that happen to that person. But by the time you get to book like two, three, four or whatever, Some of those small things, like they're done and they're over. They don't really have a ton of impact anymore, but they still happened. And I still think that's what's wrong with this vessel description is that, um, you know, like they, they describe all these things as cracks to a watertight vessel and throughout life, I mean, some of those cracks and bad things that happen to you, like they heal that they they have to heal. And so, um, you know, I guess if you want to think of it as like somebody who's repaired the vessel and has fixed up those cracks, but even in this vessel scenario, there's still going to be a crack that like maybe hasn't healed, but also isn't like super, super significant. And, um, I kind of think that that's like the struggle here. I mean, the other thing though is with, with the grass, um, you know, like everybody is their own independent thing, but we are, all like related somehow like there is some connection here because like you're you're a part of a lot of other people's stories and so the vessel and the grass like they both have this reference to like the external things like other people out there i mean like they mentioned like that once your vessel starts to crack you can see other vessels cracking at the same time um Whereas the string just kind of makes you feel like this very independent thing. And I I don't think that's the case really at all either, you know, and um, even in the scenario where like certain items don't affect the other, I mean, that's really the string. Like if I had 10 strings and the first one get cut and the first one gets cut, it has no effect on whether the second string gets cut at all. And so like, I think that those are kind of like the flaws with each of these and There's not really going to be a great metaphor to, like, you know, represent all of what life is. But I think that, like, when looking at the context context of these three, Vessel makes the most sense. We are all connected. We can, like, everybody has impact on one another. And your life is all of these things that add up. But... It doesn't mean that everything that happens is going to be bad, which is the problem with all three of these is they all describe bad things, but it also doesn't mean that you won't move on from those. So there's like lots of ups and downs. All right, so that kind of wraps up most of our discussion for um, this book. Um, And so, um, you know, now it is time that we figure out what the book for the month of June is.
1: Yeah, so for June, we will be reading The Inheritance Games.
0: The Inheritance Games is a thrilling mystery novel by Jennifer Lynn Barnes, and it covers the story of Avery Grams. And she's an ordinary girl who suddenly invests a vast fortune from a mysterious billionaire named Tobias Hawthorne. However, to claim her inheritance, Avery must outwit Hawthorne's estranged family in a high-stakes game filled with secrets and puzzles. As she uncovers hidden motives and delves into the complex world of the Hawthorns, Avery becomes entangled in a very dangerous competition where trust is sacred and betrayal is ever present.
1: We will be discussing this book on June 21st.
0: And that brings us to the end of the episode. You can find The Bookworm Collective on Instagram at the underscore bookworm collective and on Facebook at The Bookworm Collective. Feel free to message us what you're currently reading or your thoughts on May's book. Thanks for listening.